Hey, this is Ed Robertson, and this is the Mountain and Prairie Podcast, where I introduce you to some of the innovative and creative individuals who are shaping the future of the American West. I meet most of these people through my work in ranch brokerage and land conservation, or through my hobbies and interests that revolve around spending time up high in the mountains. My guests include ranchers, writers, entrepreneurs, conservationists, athletes, artists, adventurers, pretty much anyone who's doing important work and has an interesting story to tell. My guest today is Daniel Verges. Daniel is an artist and graphic designer who captures the essence of life in the American West through simple yet amazingly impactful paintings and drawings. Like many of my podcast guests, Daniel grew up obsessed with all things Western. But unlike previous guests, Daniel grew up and currently lives in Spain, where he works and creates Western-focused art in his rural studio. His lifelong love of the West was solidified during the time he spent living and working on the Zabata Ranch, a 103,000-acre cattle and bison ranch located in Colorado's San Luis Valley. Despite living so far from the American West now, Daniel's deep love and respect for the landscape, people, and history would make you think he's been here his entire life. Sometimes those of us who live in the West can lose perspective on just what a spectacular place it is. So I enjoyed learning more about Daniel's perspective as someone who does not physically live here, yet is heavily influenced by the West landscapes and culture on a daily basis. If you ever find yourself getting jaded about life in the West, just listen to the way Daniel describes mountains, prairies, ranches, and bison, then take a look at his art, and you'll snap right out of it. Daniel and I had a wonderful conversation that covered everything from life on the Zapata Ranch to his creative process. We chatted about his childhood interest in the West and his impressions of the wide-open spaces and wildlife during his first trip to Colorado. We talked about how the West influences his art and how he strives for simplicity in both art and life. We talked about his collaborations with other artists, such as former podcast guest Cameron Dingle, and how these partnerships fuel his creativity. Daniel also talked about how his daily discipline of drawing and his passion for creating have driven his success as an artist. And as usual, we covered books, films, favorite places in the West, and much more. So be sure to check out the episode notes for links to everything. And there's one more piece of exciting news. Daniel created a special painting for the Mountain and Prairie podcast featuring my favorite animal, the bison. It's a super cool piece, and I'm honored that he took the time to create something so special for the podcast. We discussed it a bit in our conversation, and I loved hearing how Daniel went about creating it. Check out the podcast webpage to see it, and I set up a little online shop where you can buy shirts and hats featuring the art if you're interested. There are links to everything on the website, so go check it out. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You know, the way that I generally start them out is I ask people, when you meet somebody for the first time, never met them, and they ask, what do you do? How do you answer that? Probably I would say I'm a graphic designer mm-hmm. and maybe an artist in, in some ways, but mainly a graphic designer. I mean, I, I have like a small design studio. And so where are you right now? Where where are you in the world? Because this, this is not the normal uh, podcast where I'm talking to somebody in Denver or Bozeman or something like that. Tell, yeah. tell us where you are. Well, I the studio is in Barcelona, here in Spain. I But I did move away from the city like some years back. I, I couldn't live there anymore. But I do have the studio there in Barcelona, yeah. I want to come back to uh, to why you had to leave the city. But first of all, let's just talk about your connection to the American West, because that's how you and I connected um, actually through through some mutual friends. And so could you just talk about your your connection to the West? Uh, I think it started as a little kid first, like the love for the West. And it was through my grandfather. 
that he would display all these Western films all the time and I would love it. And I would draw almost the same thing that I draw now, but as a little kid. And, and it's good because he kept all these drawings and I can see them now and, and I can see that I was actually doing very similar things. But then through a friend, I just got to travel to, to Colorado to this ranch, Zapata Ranch, and, and then see a bunch of other ranches around there. And throughout a year, I've been coming and going. Like every two months, I would go there for a month. So, so yeah, I, I fell in love with that. So can you just uh, explain the Zapata Ranch? For, for people who aren't familiar with it, can you just talk a little bit about, about um, what it is and, and you know, kind of how you ended up, ended up being there? Well, I went there uh, because of this friend. And, well, it's just this crazy, amazing place. It's, it's a ranch. It works as a ranch. They, do all, they also do, like, uh, things for guests. I mean, they have people to go there and you can take part of, of things there, activities there. But also uh, through this friend, I started working with Ranchlands and in doing some things uh, as a designer. I'm still working on a website, but we did uh, a bunch of stuff there, also drawings. Because during the time there, I've been doing some kind of uh, painting diary of my time there. And they've been using that. But it just... Uh, I guess like a normal ranch where they have cattle uh, and well, they work as, as, as that. Yeah. It's a, it's a really unique operation. Um, you know, for people who, who may not be familiar with it, it's, it's kind of at the base of the Sangre de Cristo range, the Southern end. And they do, they, it's, it's a guest operation. Um, I, I know they do that, but then they also have some bison on the property, which make, makes it unique. And I think it's, I think yeah. it's somewhere around 50,000 acres. Is that correct? I've, I'm not sure of the, of the size. I just know it's, I mean, I think, you know, we talk about it as like seven times uh, Manhattan, something like that. Like, yeah, it's, it's huge. It's, it's, it's huge. Yeah, it's really big. I've been all, all around it. And it's huge. And, and yeah, they, they, they do have like, they, they have horses because of the gas also for the workers there, like to move cattle and all that. And then in this other side, uh, that's called the Merano that is right in front of the great sand dunes. There's like 2,000 or 2,300 wild bison uh, living there. And then once a year they do this bison work where they have to make them go through these tubes, these gates and all that just to check how they are, to count them and stuff like that. And that's pretty amazing. It's really, really cool. Those are some some really intense animals. I mean, they're, they're so huge and strong. And oh, one I other thing, love. yeah, it's 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 really amazing. One other thing about the, um, that ranch is that, that's interesting is that it's actually owned by the Nature Nature Conservancy. Yeah, and then they yeah. lease out the the operations to the the Phillips family, who is yeah. you know runs ranch lands, and it's a really unique unique deal. So. Before you had started going over there to that ranch and spending time there, did did much of your art and your drawing revolve around the West, or was that when you got there that kind of um, triggered that that interest in your brain? No, I think it started a bit before that. But as as a little kid, I used to do that, and and I used to be into things that normal people here in Spain are not into, like country music and and <laughs> the West. But I was into that, like as a little kid. And, but then I don't know, I think that at some point I, I, it just came back again 
and then I start drawing these these things. I think it, it always that image of the West just kind of made me dream about something. It had something powerful in it. And then I, I started doing these these drawings. So when when I met this person and I started going there, a lot of people actually here in Spain they said like, man, it's just like if you were drawing what you wanted to happen to your life, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> cool. and then through that it actually happened. You know, like if you were projecting what you wanted. And and but then once I was there, I got a lot more interested on how like the real thing because when I see a lot of like Western painting painters and all that, like a lot of them, they, they do like, uh, they go back into the past, right? Mm -hmm. Like with the natives and all that. But I, I, I actually felt a lot more interested into like the ranch life, the real thing, how they, I was very impressed that it's, that still existed, like the way it does. It was a huge surprise. Like yep. when I would, when I would post pictures on Instagram, a lot of friends, they thought I was in a, in like in some commercial shooting a movie or set or that. something yeah yeah exactly what they were like where are you where's the shooting and i was like is this not a shooting this is a real place and they dress like this and they work like this and most people don't know that that still exists the way it, it does like it was pretty amazing to see and very inspiring to me yeah it re that even has hit me i mean every time i'm out like at a branding or something like that and even though i've been out here and i've been involved with ranches for a really long time it's that exactly what you said hits me that um, nothing much has changed from the late 1800s. I mean, I think they've got at a branding, you know, they've got vaccines um, that yeah. they're injecting into the, the animals. And then they've got a, a gas or a propane uh, torch for heating up the branding iron. But other than that, it's just about the same as it was. And the clothes are the same and, the you know, the, the, well, it, the, the teamwork is the same. It's really, really neat. Well, in, in the brandings I've been, they, they actually use like wood and fire, normal fire to to oh, really? everything. Did they yeah, really? It was yeah, pretty much like that. It's it was an amazing experience. I've been I don't know like seven branding something like that, and and it was a lot of fun. First one is too much maybe, yeah. <laughs> but once 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 you start knowing what you have to do, and something that re I really liked about that is teamwork. It's in Iran, there's a lot of teamwork, and, and I learned a lot from that. I really enjoy that. And, and branding, it's it's pure teamwork. In in one two minutes, you've got that that calf out. Mm -hmm. You know, like so, I, I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, it's teamwork, and there are consequences. You know, it's not like uh, playing tennis or something where you just kind of hit the ball. <laughs> but like, if if somebody messes up, there's a good chance somebody's going to the yeah. hospital. So yeah. it's um, you know you. I always laugh about some of these big companies have these uh, like team building exercises where they do trust falls and things like that. And I think if yeah. you send them out there to a cattle branding in two minutes, everybody be best friends because yeah. <laughs> you're yeah, really, yeah. you're depending on the other people and, and you form these bonds with people that, that are stronger than pe some bonds you've had with people for, for decades. It's really an amazing deal. Um, and I can't imagine how that must've been coming from Europe where it, it is just complete. Cause it's foreign to me. I'm from the East coast originally. It's foreign to me. I couldn't okay. imagine how it, how it must be to you. Um, what did you think about those, the wide open landscapes there when you, when you got there, how did that compare to Europe? Uh, I think it leaves you speechless for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's you, you had never seen something like that before. Uh, no, like the landscape is totally different. And the crazy thing is that at some points you just see flatland 
but you start walking and then you find water and trees mm. and you're like where was this like two minutes ago i couldn't see it it just looks flat but it's not like things happen in, in the land but like the open big sky that was something that really left me speechless like often quite often yeah, yeah i think that's a, a really good point what you said about walking along and then finding um a little a little creek with trees and that a lot of these flat areas in the west you know when you're driving down the highway you look you just see it and you're like ah oh, that's just a, a flat prairie for as far as i can see but there's a lot more diversity to, the, to those yeah. um, flat areas than anybody would realize. And the only way to know is to get out there like you did and, and look around at it. Yeah, you have to walk, you have to go through or with a horse or something. And, and then you see how, how it changes. And, and I don't know, I remember like the first time that I was there on a horse, and they said, like, do you see those trees down there? We're going there. I said, okay, that's fine. And after two hours, we were not even close. It was really like, what happens here? Like the, the distant thing is really different mm-hmm. because of how big and flat and like open everything is. You know, it's, it's really hard for people from here to measure those distance. And, and also you see that a lot of things happen on, on the land as you move. And it's not as flat and it's not as equal all the time. Then you find sand and then there's not sand. And there's a lot of rabbit bush or whatever, you know, like it keeps changing. And, and it's, I really, really like that. Yeah. It's, it. there's nothing like it. Um, I mean, it's, it's just so why, like I said, you know, I'm from, I'm from North Carolina originally, but, but when you okay. come out here for the first time and you just see there, there's no, it's hard to, to understand the, it's hard to get a perspective on things because everything is so big and wide open. Um, when you think back the all the all your visits to the ranchlands properties um and i guess just your time in the west what is there a single experience that sticks out that was kind of the most memorable or kind of the most crazy um thing that that happened to you while you were out here i would say like lots of them to, to be honest like yeah, almost yeah. every day would be like that even just waking up in the morning and and getting out on the porch and seeing the sangre de cristo mountain there and, and the sun coming up that was amazing i think like the first time that i that i remained speechless for a long time like not believing what i was it was uh, being surrounded by wild bison there in the Merino, mm-hmm. right in front of the great sand dunes that was pretty strong like that that changes you in a way also i would say that in a more crazy way like running after bison to, during bison works Mm-hmm. that is also like pretty strong like <laughs> it's really crazy to be running after one of these bison and then all of a sudden one of them turn around and face you and you go like man you know like <laughs> and then you you just try to jump somewhere that was a pretty strong and fun experience also but but just being in the landscape i would say that even more than all the action taking there like the, the brandings or the horse riding and all that just being there and and seeing that that still exist it was like traveling in time i would say that was the strongest thing for me yeah that makes sense so you, you've mentioned horses a few times did you know how to ride horses before you came over here no no <laughs> did you have any crazy crazy experiences with horses did you get thrown off or anything no no like, the truth is that nothing happened like i i would say that i'm a person that i have a lot of fears in me but i often decide to not pay any attention to that, just mm-hmm. go with it. And I felt like, like I was in very good hands. 
and I think my first time on a horse, it was almost five hour ride, and I had to jump this creek. Oh wow! With the horse, uh, because it, there was ice there, and also had to gallop. I had to do everything, and I just remember that it's one of the best days in my life. Really? And yeah, and I didn't ride a lot there. I did like a lot of time, like to move cattle, like work riding, and. But I did in office to see that I had no idea. And so I started uh, riding here. Like now uh, every week I'm, I'm going riding and I'm learning. I'm taking lessons and I'm loving it so much. It's great. Yeah, that's that's super cool. Um, horses, you know, you're, we were talking about bison being um, impressive animals. And the more you get to know about horses, the more impressive they are as well. And um, oh, I totally I, love yeah, I'm not a I'm not skilled in that at all. But it's um, whenever I whenever I do participate, it's it's one of those reminders that I don't know a damn thing and that I got a lot, a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, but, but I see, but I see every week how it changes when you start kind of like uh, flowing with the animal, and and now I'm starting to be in that point, and it's it changes my like my whole week just every time I go. Uh, right and now i do it every week like i had to like today i, st- I spent all all my morning there and it, it was so much fun i'm exhausted but i, I loved it so much that's interesting because I, I interviewed a, a guy named chris Iyer a few weeks back you may have listened to that one and he run he does mule packing um up in montana yeah, yeah. and horses and he was talking about a similar thing how these horses you, you get in a flow state with the animals and they they kind of reflect your feelings and you reflect their feelings and it kind of turns into this symbiotic relationship between the two animals. Mm. Um, and, and I've, I've just haven't done any of that enough to have reached that state, but, um, mm-hmm. we've got a connection with those animals, you know, it's, it's pretty oh, it's cool. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about your art because I love it. And that's kind of how we, we connected. Um, mm-hmm. can you, could you describe your art? I, I guess, Let's talk about your art, right? First, let's talk about your art specifically related to the West. How do you, how would you describe that art? Because I, I I'm not a art connoisseur in any way, and so I don't really I'm not good at describing it. But I know what I like, and I love your art. So, to, how how would you describe it? I I don't really, I don't really know it. I, I would probably just say it's simple. Uh-huh. I there's not much I can say about. That. I think. I think someone that actually described it quite good was uh, I had a conversation with Duke Bersley once mm-hmm. in we met in London, uh, and he said that he could see all my graphic design uh, background mm-hmm. into like my. I think that because when you do graphic design and speci- specifically when you work in, with logos or with certain things, you have to learn how to simplify things, mm-hmm. simplify ideas. I think that that is reflected on what I do. I just try to keep it simple. And what I do is, is because I've learned on, on my own, like I've never taken any lessons or anything oh, related really? to that. Yeah. So I just try to, since I started back to do that, I just try to do it every day and, and be very patient and see how it changes and how it evolves and don't expect much from it. And that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Like no pressure. It's good because I'm, I'm seeing how it's connecting with some people. I get a lot of messages with people saying like, oh, your drawings really talk to me. And and I love that. Like it's not the reason why I do it, but it, it, it feels great to see that somebody gets it. You know, like, mm-hmm. but at, at the same time, because I, 
is also as an art director, I had to see a lot of uh, painters, artists, you know, like at the same time, I see what's out there and I, I could never consider myself like something like an artist or I, I just get a big uh, distance there, you know, with myself. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you never had any sort of training um, in art. Were you always an artistic kid? Like when you were a kid, what did you were you oh, always yeah. drawn and doing art? I was always drawing. Uh, yeah, my my granddad like could see that. So every time I was with him, I remember that he at, at the same time every day he would say like the rest like your siblings can be doing all the things. Now you you have to sit down and draw. And I would sit down and draw because he he told me to. He said like you've got something there. You have to use it. I think that uh, I always wanted to be an artist. First, I guess that at some point I just heard too many voices saying like, there's no future for that. Like, Mm -hmm. what are you going to do? You're just, so I guess I just got lost and it came back naturally at some point. Like I, I I cannot help it. I have to do it. So I do it. And so were you, when you were like, say after high school and you, you know, trying to figure out what you were going to do, did you, did you study art in, university or anything like that or did you just go work for a graphic designer how did how did you make that transition from being a kind of a talented kid to being able to make a living doing it i i tried to go to university to 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 do art i went just one year it was it was great to meet girls (laughs) yeah it was a lot of fun but i didn't really enjoy the classes or the teachers yep i i always have had like a some issues with authorities, mm-hmm. I guess. Yep. <laughs> like, and and so I didn't really enjoy that. Like, I, as I said, like I met really cool girls and I had a lot of fun during that year, but I, I I didn't see myself there. So I just quit and and then I was lost for a while, I guess. And and then I guess I decided to travel a little bit. So I did some traveling and then I ended up in Costa Rica for a while and just doing other stuff and. At some point, it was a friend of mine that just saw things that I was doing because I, I, I through through a CD booklet from from a from a music band, I, I thought like, what is this? I saw the booklet. I saw the art there. I fell in love with that. I said like, this is really interesting. So I started seeing who did that, and it was a design studio from London. So I started reading about it, and I bought their books and seeing their website, and that was kind of how I learned everything. Mm -hmm. They were really good. So I tried to copy every single thing they did, like privately, just for myself, to learn as a process. So I spent a lot of hours on my own just learning like the software, how to use a computer, how to use everything, and how to design and what it was. And and I learned through through there. And then a friend saw some of this, and he was into graphic design already, and he gave me a job. And then from there, I just started working in, in different places and deciding. So will you, so that's, that's really cool that you struck out on your own and, and you've probably, I know you listen to the podcast some and it's kind of half and half with artists between the ones that were formally trained in school and then the ones that had, had no formal training or started school and quit like Teal Blake, for example, he started school and got nothing out of it. So he bailed. And I think, you know, when he looks back at his class roster, he's the only one who actually made it um, in the art world. And so, and I think he's got that uh, 
that that I think it's a gift of questioning authority. I don't think it's a problem. I think that's good. Um, and so, um, well, and so, can you talk about slow artworks? Your your current um, company. Yeah, uh, the thing is that I I ended up working in advertising for whatever reason. Like that happens sometimes. Like somebody came with a good idea, and uh, I I never wanted to do advertising really, but. So, this person was interesting, so I started working on that. And then I went from one agency to another. Like, I would normally last one year in each place because mm-hmm. that's the time that it takes me to get bored. And <laughs> until I ended up in a place that it was good enough that I stayed there like for almost four years. But I kept meeting with this friend of mine, and, and we had the same complaints about things. And one thing that I don't like is complaints. I, I always feel like, okay, if there's something you have to do something about that. Yep. So in one of our talks, we said like, okay, if in one year we still have the same complaints about how these big companies work, we'll just quit everything and we'll just start on our, on our own. And, now, and that was in 2011. Okay. And we did that and because we wanted to keep it uh, slower in, in the way that, not that we're going to be slow at just uh, doing our work, but... We want to give attention to details. We want to enjoy the process. To me, a creative process is everything. Mm-hmm. If you make that richer, the final product is going to be a lot better. That's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. So we managed to, to actually make that work. Uh, we're, I don't think we'll ever be rich, but <laughs> we pay everything. We Two families are... are good with that like the project is working all right and and we're getting to meet a lot of cool people all around and it's it's a lot of fun yeah so it sounds like that you you know in the past you would get a little antsy or or bored at times which is completely understandable and i do the same thing and i think a lot of creative Mm -hmm. people have that how do you now that you're working for yourself and you've got this this agency doing what you do how do you keep it fresh or keep it from getting boring? I mean, is it because you're in control of the projects you take on or, and then I guess the second question, second part of that question is how do you kind of keep pushing yourself artistically? Cause I would think it would be real easy to get in a rut um, and mm. just kind of do the same thing over and over and over. Cause like I can make money doing this. Um, how do you, do you have any specific ways to kind of push yourself I, outside of your creative comfort zone? I think at, at this point of my life I can really tell that it's my whole body who dictates that like a long while like I used to work in advertising and then I did like a creative project apart from that and everybody saw that as as very successful I was making a lot of money working lots of hours just being stuck with all that and then I started having anxiety issues Mm -hmm. and so that made me rethink the whole thing. And what I've seen is that I cannot cheat on myself in a way mm-hmm. that if I'm not, I need to feel passion to what I do. Yep. And, and I love what I do. So if the project is not good because it doesn't give me that, we normally don't do it. Uh, sometimes if we have to do it for whatever, because it's smart to do it, we can work with other people to make that happen. But I think it's naturally me that I want to do things. And in my job, I can take pictures, I can make films, video, uh, websites, logos, I can draw, I can paint, I can go to places, decorate a store or, you know, like there's so much I can do. So we try to keep it diverse. Uh, 
as much, I mean, so much that a lot of people ask us, you know, what do you do? I've been in your website and I still don't understand what you, you, you guys do. Mm-hmm. And I actually like that. I, I, I enjoy that. When I hear that, I go like, okay, it's, it's good. That's what I want. Like, <laughs> I don't want yeah. it any other way because if it was just one thing, I couldn't do it. I would get totally bored. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think it's super cool you've, you're self-aware enough about that because I think a lot of people get, you know, feel anxiety or, or don't like what they're doing but but can't really – don't really do anything about it. It's like you're talking about the, the complaining mm. is, is a waste of time. Um, so it sounds like it was a process to figure it out, but it sounds like you're at a, at a good spot with it now. Um, one other question about the creative process – you know, you hear writers talk about writer's block. I have writer's block. I can't write, blah, blah, blah. Do you ever have, uh, I guess, creative block? And if so, how do you get through it? How do you how do you push yourself through that? I I wouldn't say it happens in my in my. I mean, probably there are times that you don't feel as inspired mm-hmm. or. But uh, normally you just have to do it and you I don't know. I guess that it's just by sitting down and, and, and going through it. And what what we try to do at Slower Works is we try not to be all the time in front of a computer. Mm-hmm. That's that's key to us. So whenever we feel like something is not working good, normally, and this is going to sound weird for a design studio, but normally we just go to this place and buy wood and then start building things with wood. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, and like a lot of our logos have started to be made in wood prior to be on a computer. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just to change the approach uh, to it. You know, like we, we try to keep it fun mm-hmm. so, so that that doesn't really happen. Or if we see ourselves that we're just repeating ourselves, then we do something like that. We try to break it. It's good that we're two at least two people, normally we're three, but most of the time we're two, because if it's not one, it's going to be the other one that's going to be pushing the other one. You know, it's, yeah. it's good when, to, to, to have someone to discuss things. And, and for me, it's, it's really, really important that somebody can see it on my next to me and go like, have you tried blue? You know, like, I don't know, just give you a different point of view or, or whatever, you know, like it, it pushes you and, and for me it works. And, and I don't know, like, Maybe maybe in art could happen more. Like I, I'm a lot less confident when it comes to painting, but on on design, um, I feel alright with that. Like I, I don't feel. I mean, I feel pr- pretty confident about what I do. Yeah, well, it shows. I mean, you, the the work speaks for speaks for itself, and um, I mean, it's. Uh, I've talked to enough creative people and I've done, you know, just a little bit of writing or whatever I do. I, I have a, a bit of an appreciation for how damn hard it, it can be and all the work that goes into the, the, the finished product. But I mean, coming from it's you can take it for what it's worth since it's come from me, but, but the, your art speaks for itself. I love it. I think it's so awesome. And it's so unique. Um, Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hundred percent true. Um, I want to back up real quick to, mm-hmm. you said you lived in Costa Rica for a while. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I lived there as well for a year. So where, where did you live there? I lived in a really small village called Puerto Viejo. Where is that? Puerto Viejo, it's, it's a bit south from Limon. It's okay. in the Caribbean uh, area. Yep. And at that time, I was 21 when I went there. It... It wasn't where the tourists were invited to go, 
I mean, the government would just invite you to mainly go to the Pacific side of sure. Costa Rica at that time. Uh, when I went there, like, there was only one telephone in the whole area. <laughs> no, no doctors or, or anything. It was pretty wild. And it was actually a really good experience because it was in, in that time that we were just complaining about uh, having bad jobs and the city and the chaos and, and all that. And I didn't want to be one more of these people just complaining about things. Mm-hmm. So my girlfriend's dad was traveling around there and he he decided to set base for a little time there in Puerto Viejo and he sent some pictures through uh, on, on his letters and, we, and I said like why don't we just go there and, and, and try it out and see what's there so we we just saved a little money not much and we went there we actually built a Spanish restaurant oh really <laughs> yeah and and we just the cool thing about there is that, at least at that time, you learn how to live day by day and not think about anything else. Mm-hmm. But, but it comes natural. Like it's, There's a moment that somebody said, like, hey, are you planning on going back or something? And, and, and you're not thinking about anything else. You're going like, when? What do you mean? You're, like, you're just living day by day. You just make the money for the day. You go to the beach. You try to learn some surfing. Uh, you just swim. I don't know, like go fishing or, or whatever. It, it was it was a good experience. But after a few months there, I actually felt like I had retired from from life, and I was only twenty one, and I was reading all these books and like from Paul Auster. I remember that time, and then I started missing like what what was going on in the city. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm it's not the right time. So at at certain point, I just came back. Yeah, I had a similar experience when I was there. The 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 kind of timelessness of the place uh, you know every day i was on the pacific coast but every single day was exactly like the day before i mean you know mm-hmm. the sun comes up at six it goes down at six i mean there's because you're so close to the equator it's you know as hot as hell every day I mean, yeah and and you know it's really neat in in some ways but i had the same experience by the time you know when it came time for us to leave i was ready to go um because you know, it's, I just wanted, I wanted to do more and I wanted, you know, I, I felt like I was, um, it's easy to see how somebody could get kind of sucked into living there. Cause it is kind of yeah. a time warp and you wake up and you've been there like 15 years or something. Mm. And, uh, it, but it was a, it was a very formative experience for me. The, the simplicity of life down there was, was great. And it was something that I'd never experienced. I don't, did you, was it, was that the same for you? Pretty simple living? It was pretty simple living, yeah. But I, I just remember nature, how it made me feel very small. That was also, that that was actually similar to what happened to me when I went to the West. Mm-hmm. That uh, you're small, you're really small there. Like you just realize how small you are. And in Costa Rica, it, it happens that everything is stronger than you. Like even a small ant can actually kill you by biting you, or oh yeah, <laughs> or or that little snake, or the waves. The sea was so powerful there, and or the storms, like everything was really, really strong, and and I really enjoyed that. But it was for a time. It was a very hippie uh, village there. It was fun. It was slow, but at, at some point, it, at, it was too much, like of that at, at that age. I needed more. I, I needed a lot more then. Yeah, I, I was in the exact same boat. I thought the exact same thing, and it's. 
definitely a great experience, but, um, I was, I was glad to, to get back to, I just have mm. to be, I have to be really busy. I have to be doing a lot. Um, not busy in a, in a like frivolous kind of bullshit way, but busy, mm-hmm. you know, doing pro you know, doing a lot of projects that I'm passionate about. So, um, mm. and speaking of projects, tell me about your, your collaboration with, with Cameron Dingle. Cause I had her on the podcast a long time ago. She was so nice to come on fairly early on. Um, and she is super cool and has this, kind of slow living attitude, which I think works well with your slow artworks. And so how did you guys connect? What are you guys working on together? Cause I know a lot of your artwork is based on some of her photos, correct? Yeah. yeah. I think at some point we started talking naturally through, I guess, Instagram, because there's something about hair pictures that really, really touched me. Like it's, I don't know, like so far, like it's how I would like a picture to look like. I don't know how to really explain that. And mm-hmm. sometimes there are things that are really small, but that make me think of a lot or feel a lot. I'm a very emotional, sensitive person more than super rational. And and those images kind of bring a lot to me. And, and I really enjoy that. And I think at some point we were talking and she said something about like maybe doing a drawing of some of her pictures or, or that I could use them for that. And so I started doing that and, and it, I know she was happy about it and we actually did sell some prints together and it's not the purpose of it. Like it's, it's, it's just to tell some kind of story. And, and then at some point we, we actually started talking about like maybe in the future trying to do some kind of book about the West together, like a uh, approach to how the West is right now, not, not like historic thing but like now how it is i don't know that it's something that i would really like to do like trying to have some kind of purpose behind it mm-hmm. and i don't know communication with her always has been super nice like i think she's she's the nicest and super talented i'm, I'm i really love her her work yeah i do too that that conversation we had was was really great and inspiring in a lot of ways. You know, the life that she's built for herself over there in Teton Valley. And, um, if people haven't listened to that interview, I think you should definitely go back and listen. Cause yeah. she's, um, you know, not only, not only talented, but just really seem her, her approach to, to just life and create creativity and the West and conservation. It's all, it's all amazingly kind of calm and even keeled and, <laughs> I need to hang around people like that more often. <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, so, you know, in, in your life as a creative, have you had any mentors or heroes, um, whether that's in, in painting or drawing or just, you know, writers, musicians? Are, are there any people that, ha- that you can look to and say that that person influenced my work for the better? Um, and it could be people you know or don't know, you know, people that are li- alive or dead. Any does anybody come to mind on that? There's a lot of people I follow because I like a lot. Like many, actually, many of them have been on your podcast already, like Duke Bursley or mm-hmm. Mark Maggiore. I think he's he's amazing. Yes, but it's not it's not really neither what I do or what I want to do. Like, well, I wish I could actually <laughs> be able to do something like that, but it's not it's not how I express myself. But but I, I really like just to see their work. But I don't. I don't know, like, I try to keep it very as personal as I can, like, in terms of when, when I'm talking about the art, like the drawings, in, in terms of design, I think that uh, this guy from that, that studio that I told you, Tomato, from the UK, 
this guy Simon Taylor, I considered him like my teacher, my mentor in in design. But in 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 terms of drawing, I no, I just sit every evening, every single evening, and and make myself paint or draw or whatever, and try to keep it as personal as, as possible. And if sometimes I go through Instagram and I find some someone that looks a bit similar or something like that, I just try to keep it as away as I can because I feel uncomfortable about it. Yeah. Because I, I I like how personal it feels when you move a brush yourself. I think it's it's always unique, and I don't like when aesthetically or whatever it looks a bit similar. So I don't want to know about it. Yeah, I think that's that's smart. And, and other artists that I've talked to have said the same same thing. Like Jillian Lukuski, um, she. She stays great. away. She doesn't look at any other silversmiths o- online mm-hmm. because she doesn't want that to get in her head. And um, I think that's I think that's smart because um, that stuff does soak in. You know, it, it soaks in even if you don't want it to, and it can influence you in one way or the other. Um, when you look back at your art, say like you look back ten years ago, mm-hmm. well, how would you say that your art has changed over the course of those ten years? Uh, I think it's a little less wild mm-hmm. <laughs> in in terms of because I had no I mean most of the paintings and drawings that I do I have no idea how I do them or how a lot of I normally don't really like what I do but sometimes I find some of these paintings and go like oh, I really like this one but I look at it and I have no idea how I've done it like I always feel like it's been a coincidence like it's been luck like that the brush went there instead of there. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't really say like, oh, Danny, really good how you control this. I never feel like I do have the control there. And this has changed a little bit over the time in terms of that with some techniques, especially with watercolor, I feel like I do have a little bit more control now that I used to. And it's something that I like and, it, and that I don't like at the same time. Because there was something so fresh at the beginning of those drawings that that I miss in a way. I I actually like when I use materials not in the way that they're supposed to be used. Mm-hmm. So so now I'm trying to change and use other materials as well, like acrylic. Uh, I had never used that before, and so I'm I'm trying to change and and just keep it moving. Do you get that? Do you get? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Do you get that feeling, like say, when you're working with acrylics that you're not as used to working with? um, Do you do you have that feeling of like I have no idea if this is going to be good or bad? I just we'll just see what happens. Similar to when you were doing watercolors in the earlier years. That happens all the time. (laughs) It's pretty much like that. A lot of the drawings I start in, and the truth is that lots of them just just end up broken. You know, like this didn't work. But some of them you start and you have no idea how it how they're gonna end and 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 also something that I, I try to put like from some time to now it's color I had never used color before and I always felt like I was super bad with color but then recently I've got quite a few people telling me like oh, I love the colors you're using and and I'm enjoying it it's uh, I like not when I don't feel like really secure about what I do like. I like that there's something that I don't control there. I like that a lot. 
So you, we've mentioned social media a few times, and you and I connected mm-hmm. that way, and you've connected with a lot of your other artist friends that way, and I think there's a lot of positive to it. But do you, how do you manage that um, so that it's not interfering with your being a distraction from your creativity? I mean, do you? I've some some artists I've had on here said that you know they have all the notifications on their phone turned off, or they only look at it certain periods of the day. Do you find social media to be a distraction as much as it is a positive influence? Uh, I think it, it, to me, it, it depends hundred percent on, on how I am at that moment. Mm-hmm. If I'm well at that moment, the use of everything that's surrounding me is good. If I'm not well, then you find yourself overdoing it or, you know, like not using it the right way. I think that Instagram, it's mainly the only one that I use. It's, it's great. Like it, it connected me to a lot of really, really great people. But not so long ago, I had to restart all over because I was getting lots of messages that were uncomfortable for me. And, and I didn't deal well with that. So I just deleted everything. That's how I do things sometimes. All or nothing. <laughs> yeah, That's I, how I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, oh, what is this? I hate it. And I just deleted everything. And, and then you just go, what? just go back to it and go like, Oh, shut up, Danny. You know, like this, this was good. It, it was you that you were not in the right spot at that moment. Yeah. So you, you, you learn from it. And I don't know, like the truth is that also like through a lot of your podcast, I actually learned a lot of things about not only social media, but how to deal with your mind, your brain better. Mm-hmm. And, and that has a full effect on how you use social media thing. So when you're well and, you use it well. And if you're not well, then you know you're not going to do it well. So you, you're allowing yourself to stop because you've been there before. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense to me. Maybe we're both we're both crazy as hell, so we understand what each other's talking <laughs> about. <laughs> and all the, the sane people listening will not uh, understand, but I completely understand. Um, well, that's, that's really interesting. So w- one more thing about the art real quick, and it's the thing I'm most excited about, is the, the piece that you designed for the podcast, which I think is awesome. And again, I, I can't do it justice, so I'll have pictures of it online. And also we're going to be selling some, um, I'm going to put it on some shirts and hats and stuff like that. So if people, when people love it, they can, they can get a, get it. But can you just describe kind of how you, you came up with that design? Cause I love it. Uh, I, it wasn't that hard in, in, in the way that you said you wanted to talk about something that was the West, but it wasn't too cowboy. It wasn't too anything, but mainly West. And and so you suggested bison, and I love bison. Like I just fell in love with that animal so much. And I've got a lot of pictures of bison. I I, I love taking pictures, and in my time there, I had the chance to do that. So I guess I just tried to do something that was more as what was I was telling you at the beginning. You know, like kind of a crazy watercolor, just being kind of fast, mm-hmm. but that it had some emotion in it. To me, it's really important that I see the drawing and I don't see something dead or something that doesn't talk. You know, like mm-hmm. I need to, to to have some, maybe it's only me sometimes, but I, I, need, I need, you know, to get that. And with that drawing, I felt like it had it. And that's why I sent it to you. I mean, I was so happy that you actually read me out to, to do this collaboration. And even more when you said, like, let's work on a bison. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was just a couple evenings looking at pictures of bison and, and trying to be super fast, 
not not really technical, but fast. Mm-hmm. You know, like something that would capture that. Yeah. No, it's it's great, and I I love bison. And at the time, I didn't I didn't fully um, understand your connection with bison. I didn't know you would. I knew you would, were associated with ranch lands, but I didn't know it was at Zapata Ranch. And so, um, you can tell by looking at it that you're you're very familiar with with bison. It's it's a great great photo, and it's you know I think when we were initially emailing, I was saying yeah, and you can have some mountains in there and a river, and and then you sent me the, the picture of the bison. I was like, this is perfect. He read my mind, and it's it's just you know like all your work, it's very very simple, but it tells a big story, and you can look at it, and your brain can go in a million different directions, and um, I love it. So I was I was very I'm so thankful that you did that for me. So to, and I, I know other people are going to love it too. So no, thank you. I mean. It's true that I, I do prefer it when people have to imagine parts of the drawing. Like, it happens a lot that people just like put this and this and this and this. But the truth is that I feel like if you see that drawing, you don't need the mountain because mm-hmm. you're seeing it. You know, like the same way that you could be seeing clouds or, or more bison around. I think you're seeing it. I, I, I think that through design, I learned that white is not empty. Mm-hmm. And that's very Japanese. Yeah. But I think like, I, I, yeah, most of my personal education and design comes from Japanese books. So, I, yeah, I, I, I give a lot of importance to the, to the white as something that is not empty, but this is actually saying things. That that's interesting that you said your a lot of your design comes from has some Japanese philosophy in there because yeah. there's there's some quote and I'll I'll butcher it I'm sure but it's something about you know an item something is perfect um, not when you can add more to it or after you've added more to it but when you can take nothing else away from it and mm-hmm. um, you know that and I feel like simplicity making things simple is a lot harder than making things complex, whether you're talking business, whether you're talking art, um, anything, you're running, you know, you see people out running with all these satellite watches and fancy shoes and fancy socks and this and that. And then yeah. you know, the, the best, some of the best ultra runners, they go out in shoes and shorts and that's it. Um, and so I feel like that sim- striving towards simplicity is something I I'm really interested in. And I think it's reflected in your art. Are there any specific books or, or, um, certain people with this in Japanese philosophy that, that you could recommend? Do any come to mind? Well, there's, there's two books that I think that, uh, I really enjoyed reading and that affected, uh, my, the, my approach to these things. One is called in praise of shadows. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard about it. No, I haven't. It's from a guy called Hunichiro Tanizaki. And it's, I, I love it. Like uh, it's it's very Japanese approach to certain things, like getting away from bright, shiny things, and it's really, really interesting. It's very short. It's super fast to read, but I think it's really interesting. And there's another one that's called Wabi Sabi for artists, designers, poets, and philosophers, mm-hmm. and I think it's one of the worst titles ever for a book, but the book makes a lot of sense. And the Wabi Sabi concept uh, of like. Uh, beauty that that changes with the time is affected by time mm-hmm. uh, I, I really like that there's a, a guy that I really admire he's a author and kind of a thought leader in marketing and um, his name's Seth Godin and he's written yeah. some of the most influential books that I've read he's he's just amazing but I've heard him talk a lot about wabi-sabi and um, mm-hmm. so that that's not a new word to me but I 
I, I didn't realize that there was a book about it. I heard him speak about it, but just the concept in general. So, I, yeah, well, I'll definitely check that out. I never heard of either of those. Thanks. Um, well, so one other one other question about art, and then um, I've got some quick questions I'd like to run through. But so you know, you figured out a way to 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 kind of make it um, doing art on a daily basis, and you've got it seems that you've got a a life you're enjoying and work you're enjoying. For people who are listening to this, who are maybe just just now coming out of school and would like to be able to pursue art and make a living doing it, do you have any advice to them? Uh. I, I never felt really com- like good about giving ad- advice about anything <laughs> related to this. I, but I know that in my experience that I that I thought I couldn't do it, I couldn't make it, and I always felt like very insecure about it. I would just say go definitely like just have. I mean, the things that I've learned in this life is that nothing really matters that much in in, in the sense that just go and do whatever you want to do because there's no security on anything. Mm-hmm. And that that is just an image. It's a lie. And I think that makes a lot of people take a lot of decisions because they think that there's some security to whatever. And I don't believe in it at all. So just do whatever you want to mm-hmm. do and, and enjoy it. And it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard. And that's also part of the process. And that's that's fun. So, yeah, I would only say that, I guess. That makes sense. And I think maybe that loops back into some of the the Japanese philosophy, because, um, you know, when you think about some of the, the Eastern religions, I'm thinking about Buddhism in particular, but they the whole thing is that there there is no security and there is no uh, nothing, nothing ever. Everything's always changing. There's no such thing as security. So it seems it can be a scary concept if you just hear that and don't really think it through. But if you really think it through, it's kind of a freeing concept, actually. Well, and I mean, sometimes it's not even something you, you just think about, but things happen in life, often like really bad things. You, you lose someone you, you love, whatever, like things. And then you, you just face that completely. Mm-hmm. And, and then you realize that's the way it is. You know, like this person was trying to do all these things and now he's gone. You know, like that doesn't exist. You know, like it's a good thing that he was doing the right thing. And he was not doing certain things because of security, because now he's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, like death a lot of times brings that. But there are a lot of experiences in life that just put you through that. And then it's our responsibility to, to learn from it and do something about it. So it's scary. As I said, like, I'm a guy that can be scared of so many things and have a lot of fears and whatever. But I try to to just face it and do what I what I think makes me happy. And... And that it's going to also work for my son. Like it's when you have a kid, a lot of things change as well. And, you know, like you, you just put that into the equation, I guess. Mm-hmm. But but with that concept in mind that it doesn't matter. Like even if you go like, oh, now I have to do this because I have a son and I have the responsibility, whatever. Like, I don't know. Life's already taught me that that doesn't work. That doesn't exist. So just Whatever you do, just really go for it. That's and just put passion in it, and I guess something good comes out from it. How old is your son? It's ten. 
He's 10. That's a, uh, that is quite a life changer, huh? I've, um, I've oh, got a th- yeah. almost three-year-old and then a, a three-month-old today, actually. And so it's, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm fairly new to it, but it's, it's amazing how it changes your, it changes your perspective. And that's, it's such a cliche and people who don't have kids, you know, they hear that and they're like, ah, hey, yeah, whatever. That's cliche, but it's, it's a cliche cause it's true. It's, it's a really cool deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Life, life is never going to be the same. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but we've already been talking almost an hour, which is, which is crazy. Um, I feel like we just started, (laughs) um, but can I run through some kind of quick questions with you that I ask everybody? Um, do you have any favorite books related to the West? And then second part of that is just any of your favorite books in general. Mm. Related to the West. Uh, I don't know. I recently did read, uh, the Glass Castle, it's the name of it. Who is that? Ivan Doig. Glass Castle, Jeanette Walsh. Jeanette, yeah, somebody. Uh, so several people have recommended that one um, on this and on this podcast, but I I have not read it yet. It's it's a true story. Like she's a journalist actually, and she talks about her childhood and how she was raised and all that. And I really enjoy it. I, I know there's like a second book that talks more about like the grandmother. And I can't wait to read it because I really enjoyed the way it was written. It was, yeah. So I enjoyed this one a lot. It's somehow, yeah, related to the West, I guess. And there's another book that's actually like a a book for kids, but I think adults can like it as well. And now that you have like little kids, I think if you don't know it, you should definitely get it. It's called uh, The Wolves of Kurumpau. Mm -hmm. I have not heard of that. No, Wolves of Korompau. It's 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 just a kid's book, but it's it's a really nice story. It I don't know, I find it's really interesting. I think it's it comes from a, a story that was originally published in eighteen ninety eight. Oh wow. And now uh, and now this this guy William Grill just did like a new version of it with really nice uh, pencil drawings. I really like that. Also it's books that have been important for me, I guess Walking by Thoreau. From you know Henry David Thoreau. Yes, I that that book was really important to me. That that was also one of those books that changed you. And my family and other animals. While I was growing that book, that was that was also very important. Do you know that book? I don't know that book. These are By all J- uh, I haven't read J- any of these. Well, uh, well Thoreau. I mean, you have to be a bit into him. Like uh, there's some bits that I like about him, but. I don't know. I like how he gets really radical about certain things mm-hmm. because I, I feel almost like he's joking, you know, because also when you when I read some of his diaries, I could see a lot of contradiction that just make him really human. And I like that. And and in his books, I think he just pushes you a lot because I think he wants you to go just half the way. So he goes to the extreme. So he he makes some effect on it. And that that book. I think it's an important one. And my family, Northern Animals, it's just this guy, Gerald Dorrell, while he was growing up in this uh, place in, in Greece, and how he would relate to nature and all the little animals around. It's a great book, especially while growing up, I think. Those are great. I'll have links to all those on the webpage. Um, do you have any favorite documentaries or films? Documentary? Well, I, I, I love Western films, like, uh, since I was a little kid, so... Is, is in terms of Western, like almost anything that comes out. Like I really like all these that that uh, that came recently. 
like uh, what's his name? I don't remember his name. Uh, you know Taylor Sheridan. He's done. He was the writer for Hell or High Water. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and he directed Wind River. I really like that one. Oh, that was really good. That's come up several times on the podcast. Um, I I it's, love that that one. Uh, yeah, I really like that one. And and there's actually a really good quote in that one. I also saw recently Hostiles. That was a tough one to watch. Was it good? I haven't seen it yet, but I want to see it. It's pretty tough. <laughs> it's pretty tough. It's not not easy to watch. Really, but and, it's worth it. You you you'd recommend it? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. And la- last night uh, is some kind of coincidence. I, I was trying to watch something in on Amazon, and and I saw this documentary called Charged. Oh yeah, that. Um... I had Becca Skinner on the podcast, and Becca yeah, is engaged to him, Eduardo. And I don't, I, I don't know him personally, but um, I may, I, I hope to get him on the podcast. Actually, I haven't seen it. Is it? It looks awesome. It's yeah. I mean, that, that's the question because uh, Becca recently we started talking because we might be working on on a thing together. Oh, cool. And and so I saw some images of him on on her Instagram that's why when when I was on Amazon Prime I was watching that and I saw the face and I said like is this the same guy Mm -hmm. and then it came the Eduardo uh, uh, what's his I don't know his surname now Uh, but but I saw Garcia Eduardo Garcia yeah Eduardo Garcia story and and I watched it last night I have to say I cried a lot really (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna make you cry I wanna see uh, it I, I loved it and and there's some really big important moments there that I don't know also about vulnerability Mm -hmm. because you see how strong he is about certain things but then how he also allows you to see I'm actually sad and you have to go through sadness I think that's really important Mm -hmm. and I don't know it's it's I think it's an important documentary I liked it good well yes I want to see that definitely it's on my list um because I'd love to have him on the podcast too he just seems like a a real um, positive, yeah, energetic, yeah. energetic guy, um, talented chef, the whole deal. Um, so, other than art, what do you do for fun? I know is music music's really important to you, isn't it? Well, yeah, I, I play guitar and I sing a little bit. I, I learned to play banjo and I enjoy that as well. I recently, like a few months back, I started running. Which oh, cool. it's something it's something that has changed so many things for me because I, I, I would have never seen myself as someone that would go out and run. <laughs> and I think I started because I was going through really hard times mm-hmm. and, I, and I needed something that was even more painful than that. So I started running to have a bigger pain. Mm-hmm. But the whole process, it's been amazing. And now I go every week, like as much as I can, like almost every day I go out and run and I rope. I practice roping. Nice. Which is really stra- it's really strange here, but I, I, I remember Kate teaching me there in in, in Zapata Ranch, mm-hmm. and and great teacher. And it's something that I want to keep doing. I don't want to forget. So I actually got quite good <laughs> when I when I'm working with with just like a wooden with with a wooden calf, you know, sure. like a, a, a dummy. But I, I do it almost every day, almost as some sort of meditation. Because when I get down there in the garden and I start roping, I, I'm just like really focused on that. I don't allow any thoughts in, in my brain. It's 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 fun. That is fun, and it's hard too. I I, I wish I could say I was good at it, because but it's <laughs> it's so hard. Well, I bet I'm you get some funny looks. Yeah, 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, some yeah, some neighbors have seen me around and go like, "What the hell? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, what is this? Why are you roping?" They don't get it. I I don't I don't care. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Um, so when you think back to your your time out west, or just really your time anywhere, and your time outdoors and any outdoor adventures you've had, is there one? Um, you, you already kind of alluded to this with your experience with the with the bison, but are there any other powerful experiences you have? Like when you think about it, you're like that was the most powerful outdoor experience I've ever had, and it could be scary or funny or just you know intense. Any are there, or or were the the bison ones that we talked about earlier were those them? Well, but those bison ones were really important. But I think Cato also took me to a lot of places around Colorado that were really special. Like nature, they were so powerful that they all those places made an impact on me. But in terms of scary, I would have to say it was in actually in Costa Rica. I I did something that you that wasn't really smart. That was going to, I got inside the sea while this big storm was there, huge waves. You could only see two guys surfing around because it was really dangerous. Mm-hmm. And and then the waves started getting really crazy. Like they lost like the order. Like there was like waves just crashing on top of other waves. Yep. And I found myself in there and then one wave just took me down and I started hitting my head on the bottom. And then I didn't know where to go or where I was. I was it was just moving me and moving me and moving me. And I was down there. I, I couldn't see, escape anywhere. Until this this guy that saw everything just jumped there and took me out. And it was a Canadian guy. And we actually became like best friends. We, we still talk sometimes. And he actually saved me there. <laughs> Do you think beach. you'd be dead if was, he hadn't been there? I don't know, but I remember just being down there and having no idea. Like I couldn't see anything, like all the sun moving there, and I hit it my head like three times. And but I remember that he took me out, and I think I had to be laying on the beach for almost an hour before I could actually start walking. Wow! My whole body was exhausted. That was pretty scary. Yeah, that's scary. That's about scary to get. That you know, people who don't surf don't fully understand how powerful that ocean is. And, um, you know, head high waves can put you in a place that you've never been. And, you know, I grew up as a lifeguard. I used to do a lot of triathlons. I thought I was a good swimmer. And uh, when I got to Costa Rica, I learned I didn't know a damn thing about swimming. I mean, and and about water, anything. And and it is, it is humbling um, and and, and very, very scary. Yeah, I'll just start a second podcast talking about about surfing because every podcast somehow surfing ends up uh, coming into this podcast about the American <laughs> West. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so thinking about your travels around the world and around the West, do you have a favorite location that comes to mind? Um, in, and it could be in the West, or it could really be anywhere. Given given you know your diverse experiences traveling um is there a certain town or a like a river valley or a mountain just somewhere that comes to mind as like my favorite place i don't know i mean i've been in many places and and actually even near here like in the pyrenees i love it there but i have to say that after being there san luis valley it's it yeah that that's become like one of the best places i've seen like i i just have like great memories from it i love it i i just as i so I told you before, like I felt at home there, which is really weird because it's it's actually very different from anything I had seen before. But yeah, I love it there. 
Yeah, that's a special place. Um, those mountains are steep. You know, they, they just come mm-hmm. straight up out of that valley, and there's a lot of history there. It's a it's a really neat place. Um, mm-hmm. What is this? Is a hard question, but what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Poof. Well, <laughs> I don't I don't know if I can say which is which one is the best. Yeah. I I can think of two right now. Like one was a few months back, as I said, I was going through some hard times and and I was talking with this really good friend and I said, like, I'm having some problems at night. I, I can't really sleep. Like, I'm so worried. I'm so sad. You know, this is really eating me. And I said, and I, I started running and I'm trying to do things, but still it's hard. Maybe I, I should take something to sleep. And, and she actually looked at me and said, like, run more. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and it was so simple, but I started running more. And... I think it applies to other things as well. So I really liked hearing that one because it made me feel stupid, but it gave me, it worked. Mm-hmm. And another one that actually comes from that film that we talked before, Wind River, there's a scene where the main character is talking with this, with his best friend who just lost uh, his daughter. And he tells him, well, you're never going to be the same. That's for sure. But if you allow all the sadness, if you allow that, if you don't avoid it, you'll be able to get back to the good memories, you'll, to, to just get back to that. Mm-hmm. And I wish at some time I had had that advice at all, because I think it, 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 it's like that. And I think it applies to a lot of other things as well, not only to just losing someone. Yeah, it definitely does. I think that that idea of leaning into it is uh it's very powerful it's, it's hard i mean it's simple to for somebody to say it but it's very hard to execute it <laughs> um but it's i think that's a, a very powerful um way to live your life i mean I, I i i do the same thing i mean i i think that's great advice i need to get that like tattooed on my arm or something to remember it though <laughs> no because i think there's this thing about sadness like you're not allowed to be sad and sometimes you have to be sad yeah you know it's like something sad happened like don't avoid it face it be strong you know grow from it and then you know like and then you'll be able to move but yeah. don't try to put it in the, in the back you know like and, and not look at it but, but I think society often tries to tell you that, like, you're sad, you're boring, get out. You know, like, oh, that's not good. That's not, I, I think that's not real. So I think it's a good, really good advice. Yeah, and on a most, on a kind of a basic level, if you're not ever sad, then you're never really going to be happy. I mean, if you're happy all the time, then that's the baseline and nothing is, it would, you would get used to it. I think being, being sad every now and then, you know, makes the, the good times better, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. So, this is next to the last question, but if you could make a request of the people that listen to this podcast and it's people, you know, just like you who, who love the West and, and have a connection to it in one way or the other, they may not live here, but they, they love it. And, um, they express that love either through art or through athletics, through ranching conservation. Um, if you could offer, make a request, offer some words of wisdom. I know you said you don't like giving people advice, but <laughs> no. I want to hear it. Um, what would that be? I don't think I could say anything. The truth is that also like after listening to a lot of the people that you had on your podcast, like now I could say, uh, Sarah King, I think mm-hmm. was one or Charles Post. Like, I think there's a lot of people doing a lot of good, uh, around there, like trying to take care of, of all that. I just uh, have admir- admiration to 
like to, to all that to all those that people and how it's going I, I don't think I, I could say anything I think you've got a really special place there and I think you're actually taking care of it so well I think your your work is contributing to that um, I love it and it's it's just so cool you know the first time I saw saw your work just came across on Instagram I figured uh, it was you know somebody lived in Montana or something and then as I dug in I I realize that you know you're you're not even on this continent, but you've got this deep <laughs> this deep love for the West and this these rich experiences out here. And I think it, I think you bring a really unique perspective to to all of it. So I just I appreciate you taking the time to to chat with me. It was super fun. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Ed again. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, and thanks for listening to that particular episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Before you go, I've got three quick things. Number one, if you like the podcast, please do me a huge favor. Either pass it along to a friend who may be interested, share it on your social media, and or go to iTunes and give it a five-star review. All those things would mean a lot to me, and they would really help to spread the word about the podcast. Number two, if you've listened to many of these episodes, you know that I love reading and I love talking about books. Every other month, I send out a quick email with a few books that I've recently read and highly recommend. The subjects are varied, but they're pretty much all nonfiction with an emphasis on history, biographies, adventure narratives, and topics related to the American West. There are no sales pitches for ranches, no spam, no other kind of nonsense, just books. So if you'd like to sign up for the list, head to Mountain and Prairie slash reading, or just go to Mountain and Prairie and there's a massive tab at the top that says book recommendations. Click on it. There are a ton of good books that I've read. Some of the old email lists are on there. Uh, You can go crazy. There are a lot of books. And finally, if you know anyone I should interview for the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. All my contact info is at mountainandprairie.com, and I'm on all the social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. So feel free to reach out. I'd love to have some recommendations and suggestions of interesting people I should meet. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.